Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me today is Josh Humphreys and a very, very special guest who Daniel was able to get on the podcast for so long. Sarah Federhoff is with us today to offer insights and wisdom that she has gleaned from the Word of God. We have some amazing passages of Scripture to go through through that we reflected in our Bible reading, things from the book of Exodus and obviously from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, some wonderful insights from there. And Psalm 16, some very special things that we draw from this amazing Psalm of David. And some questions about angels. That will be really fun. And also, uh, we will talk about uh, Peter scolding Jesus. Why? <laughs> All that and more on Understanding Jesus. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, where we're taking a moment to look and see what God has revealed through his word this week. And I'm going to start us off with looking in Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, it is uh, just a handful of verses. And one of the reasons I love reading through, one of the reasons I love this reading plan is because it separates the Proverbs and has different readings from Proverbs uh, each time. Um, this is what it says. Uh, in verse uh, Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty. Let's start there. The um, it says, "My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path." For your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Uh, something we used to praise our children every night before they went to bed is um, the that they would walk in the path that Jesus had prepared for them. Mm -hmm. And and just an understanding that God has prepared a path for us each day to walk in. And when you when you wake up each day and you and you think in terms of that God has a that that's exactly what has happened. That God has prepared a path for us to walk in, and so it's really about taking the steps that God desires us to take. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I'm 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 going where God wants me to be, and then when I'm in each of those situations along the path, every person I encounter, every every event that takes place, good or bad, I'm understanding that this is that I am exactly where God wants me to be. And now I have the opportunity to mm -hmm. do that, which God wants yeah. me to do. So I deal with each of those situations in a way that's pleasing and glorifying to God. So, so when we when we stray, when we, we when we are like, for instance, if I'm if I if I don't walk in that path, if I turn to the left or the right, mm -hmm. then I'm not where I'm supposed to be in the first right. place. So everything that's happening, this is not what God wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm like, how, how do I respond here? It's like, well, the reason why I'm confused about what to do. And not really sensing that God has given me a direction is because this is not where he wanted me to be. And so my first step, my first goal is to get back to that path. Mm -hmm. But even if we are walking in the right path, even if we are where we are supposed to be, then it's a matter of I don't always do what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I don't always say what I'm supposed to say. So he's reminding us that in that in we are always to be speaking honestly, that we are not to be devious in our interactions with people in order to be uh, – so it's, it's taking – Time to think and focusing on, okay, wait, I, I need to be truthful. That's always glorifying right. to God. And and also not being conniving mm. and devious in my interactions with people, keeping the right attitude and frame of mind with the interactions that I have, that also brings glory to God. And when Satan's attacking us and when he's pursuing us and trying to distract us, he is constantly trying to get us to move to the right or to the left. Mm. And if he can't get us to move to the right or the left, then he is constantly trying to say things we shouldn't say or to uh, or not say things we should say. Uh, and, so, and, that, and that is the battle we fight all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, there, you know, it's just a, a, a thing to remember is just a, I don't want to call it a gut check, but just kind of a, kind of just a, a paying attention to where am I right. and what am I doing right now? Mm -hmm. You know, what is this? You know, because sometimes you kind of see your situation devolving yeah. It's like, wait a second, <laughs> this this looks like something that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I'm not supposed to be here or why is everything and just to stop and go, Is this where God wants me to be? Is this yeah. is this 
am I in a place that I that I make decisions or choices or something? And almost always, you already know this. You already know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it sucks. I I I made this choice way back here, mm-hmm. and now I shouldn't even be here. And now all this is happening, and it's like I'm in the wrong spot. I shouldn't yeah. be here. And and you and really, you need to go. I'm sorry, everybody. I need to go. <laughs> I got. I got. I apologize. I shouldn't be here. I got to get out of here. Uh, there have been some times where I've almost felt like God has put angels in my path where someone, because somebody will just look at me and go, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be here. And you're like, you know, you're right. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but thank you. Yeah. I'm going to leave, you know, and, uh, and that, uh, that's probably what saved me in college. But the, uh, the, the idea though, is that, and also I, you find yourself saying, talking, saying things mm-hmm. and you catch yourself like. Wait a second. This conversation, yeah, the things, the words that are coming out of my mouth are not good, and so I need to just stop right now uh, before it goes any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we try to sometimes we try to fix things with more words. Always a bad idea. Oh, yeah, stop just, talking. Just cease, yeah, desist, just... and and just get out of the situation as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. And and the awesome part about it is the grace that God shows in that. Mm-hmm. When we say, you know what, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to get out of this. I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go yeah. back to where I'm supposed to be. And then the grace that he covers in. And sometimes we get to the end of the day and we've botched the whole thing. And then we go to bed and we wake up and now we have a new opportunity to do it all over again. And it's like, so just, um, I think the, the key is that not to, that's why I tell people the biggest decisions you make in life are the ones that will forever affect the path that you're on. Mm-hmm. Like getting married, for instance. Yeah. Once you get married, you can't ever undo that. Having a child, obviously, is another one. Uh, you know, it's it's like when you once you've once you've gone down that path, it's like now the path has been redone. Now, uh, this is where I think Romans eight twenty eight comes in. Yeah, I think God's grace is like, yeah, you took a <clears> step, and but I can still work this together for good. This isn't the path I wanted you on. This isn't the direction I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But now you can't go back. You can't go back. You can't autocorrect this one. Yeah. And so now we're going to create a new a new path for you, a right. new a new life with these circumstances, and my grace will is sufficient. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Which is of, cool because this kind of leads into what Sarah and I are going to talk about. Sarah, Sarah, we're so excited to hear what God yeah. said. Yeah. Sarah, Jeez. where are you at today in the Bible? I was in Psalm 16, and I really like. Oh, I can't talk now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I lo- read through Psalm 16 a lot last fall, and I really loved it. Should I just start? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just read. And um, so I can talk about the beginning since Josh is going to talk about the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for the verses one through four, it says, "Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Mm-hmm. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply, or their or take their names on my lips. And so. This just really encouraged me, like, last fall a lot, because, um, like, the Lord is our refuge and our strength. Like, he is our helper in time of need, and, like, and I just thought about that a lot. It's, like, in every moment, like, when things are bad, like Troy was saying, um, and it, it, like, feels like you're off track, and, like, the Lord can make good in every Mm -hmm. circumstance. Like, he can preserve you in that. And I think a lot about, like, how God is our endurance, and, like, in Romans, it talks about that, that paul says may the god of endurance and encouragement Mm. like the lord is our endurance and he he will preserve us like even if in the moments it feels hard like he is preserving us and it he's disciplining us and that's for our good and to grow us in holiness and it's for his glory Mm. and Mm. i just think that's so like encouraging for me and so like it's like verse two i say to the lord you are my lord i have no good apart from Mm -hmm. you like that's like like that's something i just wanted to like really internalize and really believe myself as like that, like, I have no good apart from the Lord. Like, yeah. I can set up these plans, I can make these paths, mm-hmm. and, like, hope that, like, what I'm doing is, like, is what I should be doing, and, like, just, like, trying to, like, set it up for myself. But, like, ultimately, I found that, like, I can't do that, mm-hmm. and, like, I can set up all these plans and, like, have all these ideas, but, like, I have no good apart from the Lord. Like, I have no good mm-hmm. in any path that's not pursuing God's kingdom and his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, And then verse... Verse four, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Mm. And so I think this a lot of times we like we want to look at look and point fingers at other people and be like, like, well, their life's not going well because mm-hmm. they're um, running after idols and they're not pursuing right. God. And like we see that throughout the Old Testament a lot, like Israel falls into that along with the nations 
surrounding them that they fall into idolatry and like setting up these high places that they will worship idols on but it's like it's like what are the idols in my heart that like i'm setting before god what are the like high places i'm going to instead of um instead of christ and it's like i don't know it just like made me really consider a lot like the idols in life Mm -hmm. that i try to place before god and not even realizing it but it's like the sorrow that that should like really um Mm -hmm. fill me with Mm. yeah awesome yeah and that's kind of like just honestly like where i'm at um is just like the lord has been revealing to me (laughs) since june of last year a lot of these like american dream idols that as much as like I denounce them mm-hmm. how much they still plague my life. Yeah. So education, money, little white house, picket fence, like, you know, having the money to have all these things, just, you know, whatever money being an idol that we all say, Oh, we all know money is one of the idols in our lives. But like that plagues the church. It plagues our lives. The success of how we are living is based off of the money we make. And then we're like, um, God, like you tell us not to love money, but then you place us in this world where we have to have it. And it's confusing and it's angering. And like these past few, well, since June, like has just been a wreck for me of just like, I'm so lost, God. I don't know what you want me to do. Mm. I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know how to do any of this. And I'm tired of it. Mm. And, um, I got to a breaking point last night. I'm in the middle of Bible study. Like I'm teaching the Bible and it just crashes. I, have a full-blown panic attack while I'm teaching the Bible. And then this morning as I'm reflecting on that and saying like, Lord, what is like, where are you? Like, I'm just Mm. lost. I'm reading through the passages again from this week in Psalm 16 Mm. is right here. And it was what we were talking about, this idolatry that's in our lives was, yeah, I'm looking at the American culture around me and I'm seeing those idols and I know that they're there and I've been looking at them in my life for a long time mm-hmm. and here they are. And what 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 David is saying here, I'm not turning to those anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then he goes on in verses five through 11 and he says this, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, grant to me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And so this is important because a lot of the times we read these verses and we're like, yes, God, like you are like, you're this and then and like and those are good things but like this is who god reveals himself to be and as i get into my next point like my second devotion i'll talk about that a little more but who does psalm 16 who is god revealing himself to be um he's revealing to be my inheritance my cup of blessing my protection when it says you guard all that is mine he is my protection he is my gift giver he is my guidance my stability and my ever-present Lord. And that one, the last one, this ever presence of God, we always think about that and we think about how he is so big and he's ever present in all time and in all places. But at the same time, he's the ever present Lord who is with me. And so, like I said, I'll talk about this in the next thing, but but he promises to us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And we forget that a lot. And so in the midst of the darkness and confusion of my life over since June, um, this is who he's showing me to be, the one who gives me inheritance, the one who is my cup of blessing, the one who gives me gifts, my guidance, my stability, and my ever-present Lord. And that's important. Um, and then because of these things, even like even you know, on the mask that we hold up and we say, oh, yeah, I'm not afraid, like I'm not worried. There's so much underneath that. But Paul, or not Paul, sorry, David is describing here why we do not fear. And it's verses... Um, 9 through 11, he says, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And I think that this morning when I was sitting and reading this again, it was just like, <sighs> it's done. Mm-hmm. Like I Stop, stop freaking out because he's put us in good areas of our life. Um, and he's right here with us. And we know, like you're saying, we know this gut check that we have, that, that something's off. 
and our head is not in a right space, but our heart instructs us even in the dead of night. Right. He's right here. The ever-present Lord is with us and he guides us. And it is such, it was such this moment of like, yeah, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Um, yeah. And so that's, I'm going to stop myself now so I can yeah. talk about it more when we get to my next little thing. Oh. So. Well, good. I, I not good that you're stopping. But yeah. It's all good. Good stuff. Yeah. That is, it is one of. I really love this psalm as mm-hmm. well because it is, it is David looking back at a time when God spoke to his people and said, you know, this is your inheritance. This mm-hmm. is the land I have for you. And yeah. it even thinking, I mean, when you think that God has this promised land for his people, and and if you read when you read the Old Testament, you see these are horrible people. <laughs> these are, oh my gosh. These are, not, these are yeah. not good people doing good things. This is just God saying, I choose you to be my people mm-hmm. and and then drawing them, encouraging them, always uh, treating them as his children, you know, and saying, when you it go away from me. a new me, life for them. Yeah, when you go away from me, I'm going to I'm gonna rebuke you and, yeah. and chastise you and bring you back and so forth. Mm-hmm. But still, he has something he wants to give to his children. He has these, and David is recognizing this. And that's why, it's, you know, where tells us that David's a man after God's own heart. He's, yeah. he's saying, you, you have... You've appointed me an inheritance, and and what you give to me is mm-hmm. is better than is 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 not just good enough. It's above and beyond anything yeah. I would ever expect right. for myself. And to try to take that into our own lives and understand that we we have you know you talk about the American dream, mm-hmm. the the dream that is the greatest dream for any person's life is the dream that God has for you. Yeah, that he yeah. has he has a desire for your life that surpasses anything mm-hmm. that we can imagine. I mean, we can't even think of the good that we would like to have for ourselves. Yeah. And, and you know, it's been illustrated over and over again. I've, I've mentioned before, C.S. Lewis talks about two children playing in the mud and, and a, a wealthy man comes along and offers them a holiday at sea. Mm-hmm. And they, they said, why would we want a holiday at sea when we, when we can, when we're perfectly fine yeah. playing in the mud? Yeah. Because they can't conceive of what a holiday at sea is. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the way we are. You know, it's, it's like, would you, when you really come to an understanding of, you know, I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to create this life that I think will be so good for yeah. me, yet yes. I'm struggling in it mm-hmm. and it's not working mm-hmm. and I can't get there. And God is saying, going, he is saying I have a life for you yeah. that I'm going to give to you. All you just yeah. relax. You yeah. Know? And I want to point out like, so number one, know that like if the Lord has called you to like an American dream life, that's not wrong. I also want to point out for those of you who are kind of in my spot of just like life just has not looked beautiful for you and like mm-hmm. a seamless transition. That's the weight of the world is overwhelming. Like mm-hmm. it is so overwhelming, which is why he says, come to me, all you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Like that hit me last night of just like, I was in, un- I could st- like, it was, it was funny. I mean, it wasn't funny, but it was, I was <laughs> in the middle of my lesson and then I just like stopped breathing and it was like, <sighs> and then I, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp anything that was happening. And I realized in that moment, the, the weight of anxiety that was resting there, like that's, and that's real. It's not something you just like, Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried. Like, and, and you just put a mask on and it's all okay. And last night it like physically, you know, I don't want to say personified, but it became real that this was something that I was holding on to and completely unaware of. So yeah, Psalm 16 is a a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Mm. Now, is that your part or you have more? No, 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 no. Okay. You're next. So Go ahead. We're moving on to me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The next passage I have is from Matthew 18. Let me let me get there so I make sure that I read it correctly. I should have been turning there. I was I was so engrossed by what you guys were saying. I didn't turn <laughs> to the next passage. That's okay. Um, but Matthew chapter 18. Um, he says, um, therefore, verse four. He says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses will inevitably come. But woe to that person by whom the offense comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter the life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. It is such a graphic passage. And and you, and you look and say, of course, we, we talk about hyperbole, and it's when, you're, when you make a statement that is way over the top, that is not meant to be taken 
um, literally. The um, the idea is this: that you have um, uh, you have you have things that are causing not just you to be uh, offend God, but but recognize that when we sin, other people are dragged into that. And so when we are commit, uh, when we are doing mm. things that are unrighteous or whatever, that not only are we affecting our lives but the lives of others, especially those who are weaker in the faith. And uh, and and this is this was going on in the world that Jesus was in. He was looking, saying, you know, you are the religious leaders of the day, mm-hmm. and the things that you're doing, the hypocrisy <clears throat> that you are living out, is is causing other people to not want to come into the kingdom. And he said it would be better for you to be destroyed than to to continually mislead people and, and draw them astray. We see that in our world today. Think of how many people are not in or, or turn away from the body of Christ or turn away from God or or turn away from belief because of the damage that people who purportedly yeah. are within the body of Christ have mm-hmm. caused. Um, and so Jesus gives us this example of saying, here's, you know, it'd be better if you cut your foot off or cut your hand off, whatever the offending part is. And, and and the way to think about this is, is is he's saying there's nothing that you have that's worth keeping. Yeah. If it is causing you to offend, and and so one of the the things I think that it's important for us to remember is first of all don't start with your hand, you know, or your eye <laughs> gouging your eye out. Let's back it up a little bit. Yeah. Let's say maybe not watch that TV show, mm-hmm. or maybe not go to that location. You know, I I remember having a friend who's saying. The reason why he would stop and, and get whiskey every every afternoon is because of this liquor store that he drove by and he didn't have the strength to just pass it up. Mm-hmm. So he'd always stop in. And I'd say, is that your only way to work? And he's like, well, I, there's another way home, but it's 10 minutes longer. And I'm like, how long does it take you to get the whiskey <laughs> when you stop yeah, at the store? Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it even, even that thought process, mm-hmm. it's like, seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. you're thinking that the value of that 10 minutes of time Compared to the devastation yeah. and, that you're reaping in your right, life because right. of you continue, have this massive drinking problem you had. And uh, I said, just go a different way. Mm-hmm. It, and don't ever go back the other way again. It's better for you to go the other way than mm-hmm. to you know, be in danger of hellfire. Yeah. It's better for you never to watch TV again. I mean, I mean, start with, I mean, if you saw the movie Fireproof or whatever, but he was stri- had problems with the computer. You ever seen Fireproof? Oh, sorry. Anyway, eventually just, <laughs> he, you know, if your computer's having issues, it's like, yeah, you can try uh, mm-hmm. things like Covenant Eyes and things like that. Yeah. But then if that doesn't work, just unplug the computer and throw it in the dumpster. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't need it. You don't have to have it. It's better to get into heaven minus a PC yeah. uh, right. than to go to hell with one. And and that's, you, and so I, I always think of it, uh, this passage like cancer. You know, mm-hmm. especially skin cancer is a good example because if you ever had skin cancer, you go to the uh, right. What's it called? The dermatologist. Dermatologist. Thank mm-hmm. you. And they cut a little way, and then they check the tissue. Right. And if there's any cancer, then they come back and they cut more, and they keep mm-hmm. cutting until they get it yeah. all. And that is what this Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. Start cutting stuff out of your life. Yeah. Until you get this cancer right. out of it. And if you have something that's offending, cut yeah. it. Just keep cutting until you don't have the offensive mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, and it's like, as you keep cutting away, and you're still finding excuses to do that sin or whatever, then at some point you have to realize, oh, I can't just do behavior modification. There's something deeper wrong yeah. with me. And then you yeah. have to ask yourself questions. Yeah. Why am I sinning like this? What is? What are my triggers? What's going on here? Right. How, do I, how do I get rid of this? Because at some point, there's a part of your heart and a part of your brain that has to be cut off. Right. And, and have, you have to understand. And for parents, understanding that, that part of your role as a parent yeah. is knowing what to cut out yes. of your children's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And, and the damage that that thing will cause. You, you mm-hmm. keep thinking, well, I want them to be social. I want them to have this advantage and have these opportunities and so forth. Mm. Those things are so much more memorable yeah. than health. Yeah. Oh you my know, gosh. And so, yeah. So it's like so cut, 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 and then, uh, and then you know, if if when they grow up, they say, what if they rebel against when they grow up? Then mm-hmm. that's on them. Yeah. They grow up and they rebel. That's their rebellion. That's they have to own that. Yeah. But you did everything you could to keep those things out of their lives and mm, so forth. That's so, really good. Uh, the, uh, you know, I remember our kids. I remember parents coming to me and saying, um, my kids are are you know upset because they're going to be like your kids and because I'm taking their phone away. 
and the only other kids in the youth group who didn't have a phone were my kids. And they're right. like, I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry they have to be deprived like my children. Yeah, right, um, right, right, right. But, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, and I'm just going to tell you, my kid, my youngest is 26 years old. And and none of them, my oldest is 31. Uh, and the and none of them think, uh, they all have cell phones now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all have internet access. <laughs> they yeah. all get to do whatever they want to do. Uh, but there, let's just say this one story about my daughter. We we had we didn't have um, TV like mm-hmm. like a uh, cable or anything. So we uh, we had bought the Seinfeld on DVD because uh, it was just so we liked watching. Yeah, yeah. But I had marked on the box episodes they couldn't watch. You know. Yeah. And my oldest daughter was the one who enforced that rule. This is what you can't watch. You know, <laughs> nobody can watch these. Right. And um and so. And, and you know there were there were definitely of course they're ten twelve eleven twelve years right. old whatever. and and you might be saying you shouldn't watch any Seinfeld if you're twelve years old but anyway <laughs> parent your own children but the but but it was funny because my oldest daughter went to college first and they all all four of them went to the same college Campbellsville University that's my plug for the Tigers yeah and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so Katie uh, went to college and uh, and Kristen was already there and. And uh, Katie came home and she said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? And she said, we were at this party. And she said, and they were watching Seinfeld. And Kristen said, oh, wait, wait. This is an episode we're not allowed to watch. <laughs> She's 20, 21 years old. And uh, so it's like, oh, well, there you go. So it had, it had deep deep scars there. Uh, she, remembered, she remembered the episode she wouldn't watch. That's uh, funny, just to tell yeah. on her a little bit. She's now 31, but she did come to me not too long ago and said, I went I watched the episodes that but we're on the list. I feel betrayed so, for you. So she's the dark episodes, but anyway. okay. which I said, I said, okay, I think at 30, 30, 30 yeah, year old person okay. can handle it. Yeah. yeah. Since they were on TV. At that yeah. Time. Right, right, right. Uh, but, um, but anyway, <laughs> that's anyway, whatever the case, but that's, that, that's the, but that is the, the nature of what the mm-hmm. wisdom here that, that Jesus is giving to us is that uh, I think so often we think that uh, I can't, I can't, I can't do, oh, let me give you another example. Cause there's one of the most, uh, important examples. I a girl with a boyfriend. Uh, she was that was abusive, and and also she was sexually involved with, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And she had come to me and said, you know, I, I'm really struggling with this, and so forth. And I'm like, you need to dissolve this relationship. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. you're in a really bad relationship. And right. she's like, I can't, I can't. You know, mm-hmm. this is everything in the world. And I'm like, okay, you have to make a decision mm-hmm. on really what the purpose of your life is. You know, are you yeah. here to glorify God, or are you here to be in a relationship with this guy? Mm-hmm. And if you're here to glorify God, then you cut the relationship. You mm-hmm. cut whatever God asks you yeah. to cut. I right. mean, up to, I mean, this is, it's an Abraham Isaac moment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's like you say, I will, in my own, you know, right. I don't say in my own life, I don't say suicidal, but the, yeah. but I'm saying when we talk about that, we're talking about dying yeah. to ourselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't have ownership of my life anymore. To God well, has. he commands in love. And so we need to understand that we have to obey in love. Yeah. And he's doing it for our best. Yeah. He's right. trying to save our life. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we obey out of fear because we're like, ah, and it's like, no, 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 Back up. He's not commanding so that he can be like, I'm going to kill you if you don't. Yeah. He's doing it in love because he cares about you. And then that like in turn should humble us and be like, oh, right. Yeah. You love me. So we love because he first loved us. Yeah. Well, I'm 53. And oh, I, in my the, accountability relationships, <laughs> I still have an accountability partner, and there are some things I go, hey, I just, I'm going to do without this for a while. Yeah, right. Maybe forever, but yeah. at least for a season, I got to take this out of my life. And, um, yeah. and it, because it just becomes something that, mm-hmm. it, and it could, it may not be something that is overtly sinful, mm-hmm. but it just takes too much of your time. Yeah. You're just spending too much time with it. And it's like, I remember with my professor, he said it was ice cream, a particular type of ice cream <laughs> that he kept. You know, and he, and he had a freezer full of it, you yeah. know, and it's like, this is becoming a problem. Yeah. So I've just got to, I've got to stop going to that aisle of the grocery store, you know, yeah. and just avoid that. So that's mm-hmm. just part of, part of, and that's what, that's where Jesus is going with this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Sarah, back to you. Um. So the second passage I was looking at was Matthew 16, 5 through 12, which says, when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered, or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? Mm. How is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not t- tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, 
but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm. And so I really like this passage because of a, like a relating passage in Corinthians that talks about um, Christ being our like our sacrifice, our mm. our love and sacrifice. I'll look at that in a second, but mm-hmm. um, it kind of goes with the like watching and like being aware, be like being aware of like where you can fall into sin. Mm. And um, I've been reading a book about the disciplines of grace, and in it was a chapter called the disciplines of watching and it specifically was like watching for those spots where you fall where you can fall into sin mm. and so a verse i actually put it on my home screen because i felt like it was just like i need to see it all the time to like yeah. remember like to like n- set up circumstances that i don't it's very much like the navigators yeah i don't know if you know the navigators are mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like campus averages like yeah. grandparents mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's a proverbs twenty seven twelve. the prudent sees danger and hides himself but the simple go on and suffer for it and it's mm. like like the disciples should have been doing the same like they should like they need to be prudent to like see the leaven of the Pharisees and they, mm. and that's what Jesus is calling them to understand. But um, the passage I think that makes this super cool to me, and I could be totally wrong about like the interpretation of this. But <laughs> we'll, I, like, we'll tell you. If you yeah. Do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was reading First Corinthians last semester, and I it's um five verses six through eight. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may mm. be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm. And I think it's super cool because he's like pointing out like the leaven of the Pharisees and how like their teaching um, is wrong. But like and like the leaven in the Old Testament was like used like you're, it had to be like unleavened during like the Passover, mm-hmm. like to like as sacrifices were right. But like now, like through Christ, like we like Christ has made us unleavened. And I just think it's like cool, like, and it doesn't relate as much as I feel like I thought it did. Now that I'm looking, at it. <laughs> but I, I always like think about the passage, like yeah. when yeah. I read the same thing, because it's yeah. like, no, um, it, it, they do shoot, they all line up. Yeah, yeah. you're you're right, you're you're spot on. You're with it. <laughs> <laughs> you're right there. No, yeah, because the leaven. Uh, I mean, in the Old Testament, the unleavened was that uh, when you, I mean, it was what makes bread rise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not bad. It's just yeah. that it, it's what makes bread good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so, it's, but it's, but if you, but what. He's talking about it's 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 um what it does uh, the agent when you take it and you put it in the bread it, it's it's basically it's bacteria I mean it just it just it spreads throughout the bread and creates uh and creates the makes the bread rise and they were in a hurry so they didn't have time to leaven the bread so they just had to take it and, and mm-hmm. eat unleavened bread so that's why when they practice it they're remembering God's activity and and releasing them setting them free but yeah Paul and Jesus and Jesus and Paul both are, are going back to because it's something that everybody would understand. Mm-hmm. It's you put leaven into their bread, something that you can't even see, and it basically it infects. And and you're talking about a time period when they're not using microscopes on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So this is something that they but they would all get this that it's something small that you put into this, but once it's there, it it basically it infects. I don't know the way to say it. It infects the whole mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. lump. And so um, we have a better understanding of bacteria right. and viruses and so forth. So we could use that as an illustration. He's saying uh, that uh, you have to be be careful mm-hmm. about this disease uh, that, uh, that that can infect us, yeah. and it's spread, and you can't see it being spread. You've used, uh, I've used illustrations like a tree rotting from the inside right. out, you know, and, and you can't see it from the outside, mm-hmm. but it's happening on the inside. And these are the things. It's little things, little tiny things. Very of small. A thought. Mm-hmm. You know, did you ever see Inception? No. <laughs> <laughs> at least try to come with three movies and yeah. the scene before you, uh, but um, in Inception uh, the idea of Inception is that a thought is planted mm-hmm. that you don't know is there but somebody can put a thought in there but you think it's your own thought mm-hmm. but it's but it's put there to change your whole way mm-hmm. of thinking unknowingly yeah and uh, and that is that's exactly what the enemy does mm-hmm. absolutely he, he puts that thought inside of us it is it is actually and when Jesus says beware of it mm-hmm. We should be terrified of it. Oh yeah, because that is uh, you see you see it happen in other people. I mean, how does a person who's raised in a Christian home, mm-hmm. taught the Bible their whole life, believes the Bible's true, yeah. sings the stories, and all of a sudden, and then becomes atheist? Mm-hmm. Somewhere, some thought, some little seed mm-hmm. got planted in their mind, yeah. and it just went out of control. And, 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 no, and no, no one's exempt from that. Thing. Like these Pharisees. They were the religious leaders who have poured their life into studying the scripture. Yeah. Like that was their job. Yeah. And to teach that to people. Immersed in it. Yes. Yeah. And, completely. And, and so what was it that got inside them that got them so yeah, far right, away from what right. God really desires? 
And that's and that's what he's saying. And they're gonna spread that to you, mm-hmm. right? If you aren't careful. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's why you know we people are like why do we we were talking about that in staff meeting this mm-hmm. morning. I, I just wasn't there. weren't there. Sorry. I know. Yeah, I, know. I was like, oh, yeah, Austin. we were. Yeah, <laughs> As if I was. I, I <laughs> remember, remember staff meetings, yeah, Josh? I do. Yeah, they were special. But we were talking about how, <laughs> how we don't, uh, when you don't emphasize the word, and this is the truth of why we believe what we believe, and, and maintain that focus and so forth, that it does leave room for something to creep in, and all of a sudden, you're being led in a different direction yeah. but if you're not having those discussions you're not talking about mm-hmm. when you don't ask when you don't have somebody to ask and say hey uh i heard this the other day is mm-hmm. is this right i remember uh having my first church this is where i got my first uh when i was 22 pastor mm-hmm. in a church i who knows why they call me your pastor <laughs> 22 but uh they uh, i had a class that was teaching a, a, a class on a book that i'm not going to name because i'm afraid you're going to read it and and get distracted but it was but it was a book that uh, stemmed from mormon teaching mm-hmm. okay and the person who was teaching it didn't know that it stemmed from Mormon teaching. They had heard about it on Oprah. And, of course, yeah, whatever. And so, anyway, so she's, but she read the book and thought, oh, my goodness, how this is such an amazing book. I want to teach this my Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. She never asked her pastor. Mm-hmm. She never, you know, and so she just started teaching it. And somebody from the class came and said, I don't, I don't think this is biblical. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's the book? And they told me. And I'm like, what you know? Yeah. It's like they're teaching that in a Sunday school class for have been for weeks, mm. and people are loving it. So you right, have all these right, people right. who have been in church a lot longer than I had, right? Teaching a, a teaching this teaching that was complete heresy, um, but it was just it sounded so neat and novel, right. and and had all these neat understanding things. Like, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Look at this! Oh wow! This is a, what an amazing concept and so forth. And uh, and the and the thing was is that it was completely unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's what happens if you if you don't have somebody to say. You, you need to humble yourself and, and, and always have people in your mm-hmm. life who understand the word right. and are granted the word to say, hey, I had this thought and uh, right. when I read this, does this, is this possible? Is this feasible? And, uh, and then make them show you mm-hmm. using the word that it is or is not, right. you know, and, uh, and that's that, the job of the pastors and the teachers and evangelists, right? We're Ephesians, accountable for that. Yeah. yeah we're and actually that's, held accountable for that. that's the job of those of us who teach the Bible, who are shepherds, yeah. like it literally says in Ephesians four eleven through sixteen, um, where we're supposed to train up in biblical, or um, I'm sorry, uh, spiritual yeah. maturity and in, into unity with the message of the gospel, so that the flock is not tossed to and fro by waves of doctrine, right. because it's easily we are e- easily deceived, and that's not I'm not calling anybody out. We are too. Yeah. We have to check what what we say with with what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, anyway. I I the reason I went to seminary is I because I had left. I was pastoring. I was finished up my bachelor's degree. I had a lot of Bible mm-hmm. teaching. I had a lot of. I listened to the. I studied. I was a student of the Word since I was a very young child. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought I have this really great understanding of the Word and right. so forth. And so and I had a group of people. I mean, I was pastoring a church. Right. And so I'm going to seminars and different things and learning mm-hmm. more in here and so forth. Listening to a lot of Bible teaching. But I was pastoring in the Northwest, and I had some <laughs> Bible college professors who started attending our church. And I would preach a message, and they would come to me afterwards and go, that was a really interesting take on that passage of Scripture. <laughs> and they said, so what makes you see it that way? Because mm-hmm. we always understood it this way. And I'd be listening, and I'd try to make my defense. But in the back of my mind going, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. I just I read it, and I thought that's what it meant, and so forth. And I, and I came to the end of myself. Mm-hmm. It was like, I really don't know. What they were asking me questions I couldn't answer, mm-hmm. and so I came all back to Kentucky and went mm-hmm. to seminary. Uh, and when I got to seminary, here's what I realized: I I didn't even know the questions to ask. Yeah, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And and that's and and having and sitting with men who have dedicated their lives right. to understanding the truths of God's word. And and here's here's just a, a, an understanding that it's hard for people to get that. Uh, it was hard. It was hard for me to get. If you love the Bible and you start reading the Bible when you're 12 years old and you read for eight years straight, reading the Bible through, reading the Bible through, um, and and you get to 20 and you're 20 years old and you're mm-hmm. looking back over the past eight years, you don't say, "I think I got it. I think I don't think yeah. there's anything more." No, when you're at 20, you're like, "Oh my goodness, I can't One believe more. I'm still learning yeah, so yeah, much yeah, from yeah. it." But there's something in you that doesn't realize that that's going to keep happening mm-hmm. for the next 30 years, right. that you're going to keep reading it and so forth, even if you pour yourself mm-hmm. into it day after day after day after day after day, there's still more that God is going to unfold. So if you know people who are 70 mm-hmm. and have spent their entire life doing just that, right. they're going to have insight 
that you haven't even got to yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and if they have had people mm-hmm. before them right. who, when they were 70, were feeding that information to them when they were in their 20s and 30s and so forth, and then are building on top of that learning, then even more. And so mm-hmm. that's 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 really what seminaries are. And, and it's not, you don't have to go to seminary, but you do need people who have a great, under, who have depth of knowledge and understanding of right. God's word, uh, who are pouring into you, who are discipling you, mm-hmm. who are teaching you, here's what the word means and your sins. And, 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 and you hope that, you know, one of the things that I was very blessed with early on is I, as I started with just a, with a, with a worldview of the Bible is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, and it's completely true that it's inerrant, infallible, and, and I'm going to go with that, that it is God's word. And uh, and that he is superintended this. Now, not everybody does. Not everybody believes that. Mm-hmm. But I started with that, and so uh, and I'm and I'm and I find strength in that. I find comfort in that that in that understanding and build everything on top of it. So when I encounter people, it's like I you know I said, well, just so you understand, this is where I'm coming from, and I'm starting with these presuppositions, and you start with your own presuppositions, and we're probably gonna get to a different place if you have a different worldview than I have about God's word. The um, and that's, but but understanding when I'm talking to people, I can learn from people who don't have the same worldview right. that I have. Right. But I know what their worldview is, mm-hmm. so I'm filtering that into the things they're teaching me and sharing with me, and and then try to apply it to it. But but that's a that's something you want to do <laughs> later. No, I mean later. Oh, I see, I see what you're saying. You don't want to you don't want to start oh, with yeah, people no, no, who are no, no, very no, no, different no. than you are, and <laughs> because you haven't got your foundation right. Laid. Right, and you want to have a very strong foundation in a in a very secure place, um, which is a, why he says in First yeah. John, test the spirits. You know, yes, absolutely. Be very aware absolutely. of what is being or else, said, because otherwise, that is the that that's what Jesus is saying mm-hmm. about the leaven of the Pharisees. Yeah. If you don't have that foundation, then they'll easily sway yeah. your thinking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Um. So just really quickly, Exodus um six two through five says this. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them, and I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they lived, where they, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel you, you, or who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I'm well aware of my covenant with them. And once again, just like in Psalms, who is the Bible revealing God to be in this passage? Number one, that he's a covenant-keeping God. He's the God who hears. He's the God who knows. And he's the God who delivers. And like I mentioned, I I often forget, and I know a lot of people often forget, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And I feel forsaken a lot, especially by him in moments like these in the Bible, um, where I remember that he remembers and I remember when I was reading through Genesis for the first time, I had fallen out of a tree and broken my arm in 2019 while I was on a mission trip. And I was reading through Genesis and I was like, I'm going to read the whole book of Genesis this week. And I like was like done. But I got to the story of Noah. That's where I stopped was in the story of Noah. And I remember reading um, Genesis 8 verse 1 and it says, but God remembered Noah. And that word remembered stuck to me. Um, and so then today, again, when I was reading over this, that is important. Um, God says, and I reaffirmed my covenant with them. And I was like, I know that he does this a few times in the Bible, like a lot where he says he remembered. And so I got on um, the, the Logos Bible thing and I was looking for the word remembered. And it happens so many times. Another example is in Genesis 30, 22. It says, then God remembered Rachel and listened to her. Um, and I've been in, again, in this spot for a while where I just feel forsaken by God when I know that my, that my heart is lying to me, but I know what the Bible says and I know who he says to be. And so um, it reminded me of, of Hebrews 6, where a few weeks ago I was reading through Hebrews and uh, Hebrews 6.10 says this, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And that's important for us to remember. God still has a covenant with his people now. Um, and, and a lot of times we forget that. But in the end of Hebrews 6, 17 through 20, he says, um, the writer of Hebrews um, says this, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is, 
it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us um, through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And that, when our heart is deceiving us, when our feelings is deceiving us about who God is, we have to remember that he remembers. That he, like I said in when we were talking about Psalm 16, he is this ever-present God. And we think of him as being far off. But no, ever-presence means he's with us all time, forever. Um, we cannot escape his presence. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that he's like some big, just like God hovering over every. No, he's near. He's right. near. He will never leave us or forsake us. And so this ever-present Lord, he is right here guiding us step by step. And it's just a good reminder that he remembers he's not some God who, who is surprised. He's not some God who forgets and um, who looks away from us. He's right there. And I needed to hear that. And so this culmination of like waiting for the Lord to answer since June, mm. like just boom, just hit me today of like, he's still here. Mm. And he remembers all that I have done and all that I will continue to do. And it was just really like peaceful today. Yeah. So, And, and you know, the, you, I love that story. I wish we had more time to spend in Exodus mm-hmm. because here you have a people for 400 years. Yeah, been, 400 years. They've been crying out to God. Four, yeah. 430. Exactly. Right, but right. They, but they have been crying out to God. And here you have an 80-year-old man show mm-hmm. up on the scene and saying, God has heard your cries, and I'm here to deliver you. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to Pharaoh and says, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to deliver him. And God has given me this confidence and, and so forth. And then Pharaoh's response is, is that you guys have way too much time on your hands. I remember when I heard this story, is when he said, I'm going to have you make bricks without straw, that I was like, uh, I, I was trying to ask my Sunday school teacher, what does that mean? And she said, it's amazing how a Sunday school teacher could say one thing to you incorrectly mm-hmm. and it sticks with you for years. And she said, oh, well, that meant that from that point forward, they were using the straw made bricks stronger. And so then they had to make bricks without the straw. Mm-hmm. So the bricks weren't as good. And it's like, and that was the explanation I got. So in my head, for years, I had that, okay, they made, every time I watched Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, that they were, okay, they were making bricks with straw. Okay, now we have to break bricks without the straw. And I was thinking, well, if they make the bricks, what's the big deal about right. the straw? It's not, none of that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were asked to make, when they said to make bricks without the straw, they still needed the straw. Mm-hmm. You can't make bricks without the straw. So they had, but what they were saying is, we're not going to provide you the straw anymore. Yeah. Since you got all this mm-hmm. extra time, yeah. you got to go find it on your own. Mm-hmm. And you can't have our straw. So mm-hmm. they're having to get stray pieces of straw and stubble and so forth. And they have to meet their quota as they had before. Mm-hmm. So the people are like, what in the, what has happened? Yeah. What, why? Are, and they, and they complain to Pharaoh. They're going, what, what are you doing? Yeah, they said, right. we, you're still expecting this quota, yet you're not going to provide us the straw anymore. It's like, it's like, you're going to. It, imagine going to a car manufacturer and saying, mm-hmm. okay, I want you to make cars just like you normally do, but we're not going to give you any of the parts. you got to find all the metal yeah. on your own. <laughs> you know? right. And they go, what? Yeah, yeah that's kind of insane. And, and, so, and, and, so, and this one Pharaoh says. Mm-hmm. It's, and what he's doing is he's saying it's Moses' fault. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so who do they hate? Moses. Yeah. It's like, so obviously this guy you sent up here mm-hmm. and so forth. So, so now you have Moses going, God, why in the world? Yeah. You, now everybody hates me. Right. You know, you told me to come here and now everybody hates me. And the people are like, God, we cry out to you. And mm-hmm. this is what we get. We get right. this 80 year old man who makes our lives more difficult. Mm-hmm. This is your answer to prayer. And, and Pharaoh is like emboldened by it. Yeah. You know, it's like showing his power. Mm-hmm. And so and you think in that moment, how long those moments last. Oh my gosh. I mean, we know the end of the story. We know the Red Sea is going to part yeah. all Pharaoh's. They don't know any of that. Mm-mm. All they know is, is our life got went from bad mm-hmm. to worse. Yeah. And now you've created this impossible situation. And so it's like, do we continue to mm-hmm. pray to the same God? Right. Because this one obviously is not right. in our best interest. Uh, and, and that's how, it, that's exactly where we find mm-hmm. ourselves so often. When you say mm-hmm. he will not leave us or forsake us, but wow, it sure feels like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure yeah. It feels like I've been Absolutely. forsaken. It sure feels like I've been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet all we have is the truth of his word. Mm-hmm. Right. We have, and the and the great part about it is, is we're reading about this. Mm-hmm. And we have this testimony mm-hmm. of we thought he fors- had forsaken us, but he had not. In fact, yeah. in a big way, he comes through. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and in the Old Testament, really, the signature event 
is the parting of the Red Sea. That oh, yeah. everything, everything in Psalms and everything in the Old Testament goes back to this is how amazing God is. Right. In the New Testament, it's the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Whenever you are wondering what uh, whether God has the power to oversee a situation, mm-hmm. you go back to the resurrections. Like, well, right. He has the power to raise right. Jesus from the dead, right. and so obviously He has the power to fix your job situation. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh God, you know, woe is me. Right. You know, I don't know how I'm going to pay my light bill this month. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, I can raise people from the dead. Yeah, perhaps. I can fix your utility problem. Right. Um, maybe. Maybe. Okay, create universes. <laughs> right. Perhaps I can fix your job dilemma. You know, get you the parking space that you're mm-hmm. looking for or whatever. But, the, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like God has that kind of uh, almighty power. Mm. Uh, and, 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 but all we can do is trust in his integrity as revealed right. through his word. I don't, there are no other things to say that uh, my situation is going to work out, except for the fact. I mean, when Kim got cancer, you know, it was like mm-hmm. we were like, you're like, all we, all I've got is that God is a person of integrity, mm-hmm. and and will this will work out, you mm-hmm. know? And and there are just some things we, there were some things that have happened in this past year, where um, I remember we thought my daughter had can- Kim had cancer, and mm-hmm. we were fighting that, and then they thought my daughter had ovarian cancer. Yep. And I remember us looking at each other, going, you know what? We're not even going to process that thought. We're right. just going to say God has this, yeah. and we're just going to go on as though everything. Because you're not sick, you don't show any signs of any illness. You can right. still, we can all still function. Mm-hmm. So let's just continue to function on as we are able to do, and believe that God's going to work us out. And He did. But and but you have to. But the only reason we could do that is because we're like, I just believe God is bigger mm-hmm. than the information that I have. Right. And and so we're just going to trust in His His name. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, good stuff, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Thank you guys for sharing. We're going to do some questions Mm -hmm. when we come back. Yep. This is the question and answer segment of the Understanding Jesus podcast. And Josh um, is going to – Sarah didn't have a question. Sarah knows all. Yep. She needs no answers. (laughs) But uh, we – but Josh, on the other hand – I'm always questioning things. Has a question. That's good. Um, Okay. So Matthew 18.10 says this. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly father. So it's super interesting here. When I, when I read this, I was like, hey, this is not um, a compound word. This is like a possessive word. It says T-H-E-I-R, their angels. And so this is an angelology question. What on earth does that mean? Well, it's, it's a... It's a big deal. Uh, yeah. The uh, there's some different thoughts on the process. One, uh, some would say that it's where the idea of the guardian angel comes from, mm-hmm. uh, in that each child has its own angel. It doesn't necessarily mean that from the text that each child has its own angel, but that there are angels who are overseeing mm-hmm. children. And I think that uh, a couple of things. One is it's important to remember that the word angel is simply the Greek word for messenger. Um, really just we have beings that serve God and serve his mm-hmm. bidding, do whatever he needs them to do and go wherever he needs them to go. Different places of scripture, they're given names. Um, some of the, these messages are given names. Sometimes uh, the angel of the Lord is described as being um, uh, a being that's, we talked about that, the kind of Christophany, where you have, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we have a moment where it looks like this could be God. Uh, or or a manifestation of a pre-incarnate Jesus. Uh, the um, here we're just talking about angels in general. Um, the you know the, I think that's this is one of those things that um, I have to I have to tread lightly because we don't have a lot of biblical material. Right. Uh, but wow, what a place for your imagination to run wild. Well, yeah, and because it, it is it in, in a good way. Because and I don't I don't I just. And I, I always try to encourage people. It's like I, I think as long as you stay within the bounds of mm-hmm. of what Scripture says, that you can. It's kind of like think when you think about heaven and what mm-hmm. heaven will be like. Uh, we are given descriptors, mm-hmm. uh, descriptors, and I think you don't want to go beyond those things. Right. But you can let your brain go. You know. Yeah. Dream a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, nothing bad is there, and that uh, this is good is as good as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, and I think the same way with our understanding of angels, um, we don't know how many there are. Right. Um. I mean, could there be as many as there are people on the planet? Uh, well, yeah. And, yeah. And so, and they can go everywhere. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis might even entertain the idea that they inhabit other planets. 
uh, you know, and, and travel around and do other things and go places and so forth. So the, I mean, really, though, I mean, yeah, why would you right. limit your understanding? I, I think that uh, I, in my brain, I, Kim gets upset mm-hmm. when I go down this place, but I think <laughs> of like alien encounters and so forth. Yeah. I think, you know, those absolutely could be angelic encounters mm-hmm. or demonic encounters. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I agree. Because you have, you have these, we know they exist. We know they're real. Uh, we know that they interacted with people, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, so how's what are, you know how do they manifest themselves? Mm-hmm. What do they look like? Right. You know, so where they have physical qualities that are different than ours. The, the mechanics and physics mm-hmm. are different than ours. Um, they're supernatural, so to speak. So, uh, but but this is the cool part about this particular passage is that this is Jesus mm-hmm. uh, telling us that they are uh, they're overseeing us. Um, and and I think it gives us this. It, it, basically, he's saying, I go to this picture. You know, try to combine the pictures that Scripture gives us. Remember that Elisha moment when he and his yeah, servant, uh, right. and the servant is afraid about the armies coming in mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And and God says, open his eyes to see what's really there. Mm-hmm. And he opens his eyes and he can see the angelic forces surrounding them and so forth. Mm-hmm. And here's Jesus basically doing the same thing, saying, mm-hmm. you know, these little ones that you cause to stumble, there are angels who are surrounding them and protecting them. You know, uh, in, in charged by God to look mm-hmm. after them. Uh, what a comforting thought. Yeah. You know, right. that you realize that it's, it is the things that we think about it, that, uh, that basically, and, and this is the way scripture connects to us about angels. When an angel does something to protect us and we say, God saved me in that moment, mm-hmm. well, they could have been an angel doing the work of God. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Th- these are beings he uses to do that. And he uses us the same way. Oh, yeah. When it's you that does mm-hmm. save somebody, it's still God who should get the glory mm-hmm. for that because God is the one who's created all of us and has us working according to his yeah. will. So. And just for like scriptural understanding of what we're talking about, when I read that, it freaked me out because I was like, ah, angelology, we never talk about it. And, ah, yeah. It's like really freaky. Um, Hebrews 1.14 says this, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Mm. Um, so there's biblical understanding of they're God's servants right. um, who protect his people. Right. Who he created to do. His yeah, who, yeah. Who yeah. does it? Not well, for Jesus, him, but, And when I mean, Jesus you know. is talking about us uh, in the afterlife, he says that we won't be given in marriage because people, the right. Sadducees were trying to trip him up and saying, here's how, you know, what would be like when we get to heaven. Uh, will she be this person's husband? And she's like, you don't understand how heaven works. When we are in heaven, uh, you'll be like the angels. You don't, they won't have, you won't be married. And uh, so that gives us just, you know, like I said, we get little bits and pieces. Yeah. We know that we know that we're, they're not married. You know, angels right. don't, don't get married and have families and reproduce <laughs> like we do here. And, and when we get to heaven, neither will we, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that we will become as they are. We will be uh, elevated above them right. in status, but um, as far as the hierarchy of heaven. But um, but anyway, that's uh, yeah. I, I I think that I think that that's when you ever have questions about angels. Like like I said, your imagination can go a long way, mm-hmm. but don't just don't go outside of scripture. Don't go outside the bounds of scripture. And yeah. scripture does give us little bits mm-hmm. of insight that yeah, are there. and angelic yeah. encounters that we can look to and be like, oh, you know. Yes, and if you, and this is what we know, if you do have an angelic encounters, because there are religions that are based on angelic encounters, Paul tells us right. in Galatians, if there's an angel who gives you a gospel other than the one you've received, that angel, yeah. it's false. Yeah. That's, that's a demon, you know, yeah. so that let that angel be accursed, you mm-hmm. know, and everything yeah. that uh, they, they've shared. So you're not, if you have an encounter with an angel, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not trying to discount that, I'm just saying they're not going to tell you something you don't already know in right. God's word, because he's not giving new revelation. Right. So. Um, some other question is Matthew 16. Oh, oh, go, wait, wait, oh sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. No, you said something while ago about the, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but, the, uh, but about testing the spirits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when you have an encounter, it's like really, and really even thinking about when when you're having, whether it's a per, even a person. Right. The spirit of the angel, the spirit of the person. What's being whispered. Is it is it in your of ears? Satan mm-hmm. or is it of God? Really, uh, that's something you need to discern. Right. And so you're praying that God will give you discernment. Uh, and you should test it. And there, and there are certain, I don't want to say there's like, there are elements in, as you study God's word, you yeah. begin to see a pattern that God follows yeah. and a pattern that the enemy follows. Right. And like, for instance, God is always truthful and mm-hmm. honest and, and the enemy is not. He's always mm-hmm. a deceiver and, and lying. Uh, he may give truth, but it's always with um, a veil of deception. Yeah. 
Uh, and so, um, and and he and he works toward ends that don't bear the fruit mm-hmm. of the spirit. That's why he gives us the fruit of the spirit: love, yeah. joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, selfness, self-control, kindness. Yeah, there you go. And you forgot goodness and, and so. goodness. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> they will have those attributes. Yeah. Um. Some other question. Um. Is Matthew sixteen twenty three? Um. Peter just um says to Jesus, "Heaven forbid, Lord, this will ever happen to you." And Jesus turned to Peter and said, "Get away from me, Satan." You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. And so the question, um, you just kind of answered it, just a, a little bit, a little hint of it. But how do we see things beyond human perspective? Mm. I, I think that he he's saying, again, you're right, we did just touch on it, but that we're praying for discernment. Um, we want God's perspective and not human's perspective. God's concerns, not human concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking at what God is trying to accomplish, not what I am trying mm-hmm. to accomplish or what I think we should be accomplishing. Um, <laughs> you're going to love this. Tolkien uh, really touches on this in Lord of the Rings, uh, this concept, this idea, because mm-hmm. he creates this ring of power that needs to be destroyed and it's only evil, yet continually throughout the book, mm-hmm. people think they can wield it and use it for good. Right. Uh, and and can bring good out of it, but he's saying no, it's it's evil, mm-hmm. and and you what you are desiring to do to take that which is evil right. and, and use it for something good, uh, that's uh, that's that's according to the thing of what you are trying mm-hmm. to accomplish, uh, and so often we will we will think in those terms, we'll think no no no, um, and and this is a this is gonna it gets really personal really quick. Oh absolutely. When you're praying for someone to be healed that mm-hmm. you don't think should die, you have to ask yourself. Is that what accomplishes God's purpose, right. or is that purely a selfish purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, God's going to do what He wants to do, mm-hmm. but but sometimes people will lose faith in God, mm-hmm. and they will say, "If God really loved me, then He would have not allowed right. this to happen." And it's like, no, no, God allowed it to happen because He really right. loves you, right? And He loves the whole world, and He allowed to happen what needed to happen in order to carry out His perfect plan. Mm-hmm. Not your version of mm-hmm. the world that you think needs to happen in order for the well-being of people. He has a plan that actually yeah. does work. Your plan won't work. Well, and that's like what Jesus points out to the Pharisees when he gets on to them. He says, you search the scriptures because in them you find eternal life. But it is they who speak about me. The reason we read the Bible is not because the words in here are the self-help book of eternity. Mm. It's a book about God and his character. And so it's a revelation. Yes. About who he is. Not a, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there are things on how we live, but all of that is based from who he is. Right. God is love. God is light. What does that mean? The whole Bible covers all of that. that yeah. He is provider. He is protector. And we know him. So when the spirits or when, when we don't, we don't have, um, have it when we see from a human perspective the, the reason we need to study the bible is to study who he is so we can see things from his perspective right. of this understanding this is god's character peace and justice and righteousness and light and goodness and then we begin he gives us right understanding and wisdom of how to see the world like he does because we understand and see him how he reveals himself to us which yeah. is why reading the bible is important which is why we do this podcast imagine if you were born blind and you had people in your life who were telling you what the world looked mm-hmm. like and how things felt and, and what they looked like, you know, not how things felt, but how things looked. Just you have no ability to see. And so they're saying this is a red and this is, you know, this is bright over here and this is a, and everything they said was not true. Right. And then God comes into your life and says, okay, I want to tell you the truth about mm-hmm. everything. Think of how much, if you had that for years and years and years and had all these conceptions and so forth, how long it would take to slowly mm-hmm. begin to say, because I, I begin to say that this is a different color, right. but you are, so you're thinking of the different color, but your perspective is like you have it higher or lower or mm-hmm. to the right or to the left based on the things you've been told. So I have to go through every detail mm-hmm. and every understanding. Right. So you're learning the depths and all these other descriptions of things that we, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they've been told to us. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what has happened. Yeah. We're, oh, all, absolutely. we're all, we're all born blind mm-hmm. and Satan has, has a whole system in place to mm-hmm. say, this is what the world looks like. Right. And we take that and we're like, oh, okay, this is this mm-hmm. means this, and this means this, and this means this. So if you're raised and nurtured in a Christian home, then you have an advantage, obviously, because you have if you have pe- people who can see mm-hmm. as God sees, giving you that perspective. But if you don't have that, mm-hmm. then you have to start from scratch. And right. so you have people who are pouring into your life and so forth. I used to um, really lament 
that um, I used to look at these guys and say, oh my goodness, why, God, why am I not so much further along? Mm-hmm. And then you look and say, you guys are seven generations of mm-hmm. faithful men of God right. who have passed that down, you know, and, you know, and, and I was <laughs> trying to find that my, cause my, my father was a deacon, my uncle was a pastor mm-hmm. and so forth. And my grandfather was a deacon. Right. And then, um, and then I was like, what about my great grandfather? And I said, well, he hung himself. He had some mental and emotional problems. Like, okay, well, stop there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we so we're starting, we had to start over again at this right. point and then pull it from there. And, but I'm like, but, you know, but my part in this, my place mm-hmm. is, is to then pass on, pass on to the right. next generation. So Absolutely. my, so maybe my great grandchildren will have the ability to mm-hmm. have a much, be born with a better perspective, yeah. greater ability to discern things than I had. And we'll see things because mm-hmm. I don't have enough life. Mm-hmm. There's not. Oh, yeah. I don't have enough years in my life right. to get the perspective that I would have if I'd started early on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. <laughs> I was gonna use a Star Wars reference because I lo- I just have to. I watched Star Wars okay. before. All right. Well, you know how like when Luke Skywalker was gonna become a Jedi and yes. Yoda says he's too old or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's the reason because you're too old. You you need to learn those mm-hmm. things from a very early age. Right. And there's just some things you're not gonna have time to. But you can, even though you are old <laughs> and you mm-hmm. started late, you can. Be, Enjoy the goodness of because God because you can begin to steer another generation mm-hmm. in the right direction. Yeah, and uh, and, and build upon that. Yeah. So, well, cool. Anyway, yeah. And Jesus, and, and Peter is for, is right there at the beginning. Oh yeah. I mean, Peter is. I mean, Jesus is looking at him going, um, Peter, here's a moment where you are son of Satan and you need to um, change your perspective and got that directly from Jesus. But think, every one of us. I mean, beginning with Peter at that mm-hmm. moment, and it's being recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Every one of us has the advantage to start out with. Oh yeah, getting information that Peter right. didn't have right. uh, until that part of life. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, good deal. All right, well, okay. Well, that's it. That concludes our time together. Thank you, Sarah, for being here. Come back anytime. I told you that if it was life changing, you could come back <laughs> and and be with us again. So we'll <laughs> we'll evaluate that after the podcast. But thanks for joining us and be here next time on Understanding Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>